Hey, 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 you guys. I'm so glad to have our special guest with us, Mr. Jim Pittett. And he is an actor, writer, and producer who began his career on a stage in England before immigrating to the U.S. in his early 20s. Um, he made his theater debut in the U.S. in The Boy's Own Story, a one-man show about a soccer goalkeeper at the Julian Theater in San Francisco. The show was an instant success with critics and audiences, um, winning Jim the Bay Area Critics Best Actor Award. The show when um, then produced Off-Broadway, um, he quickly gained the attention of the New York theater scene. Um, that same year in 1982, um, he was cast in Present Laughter by George C. Scott. And one thing I love about Jim is in his career, he's had a long succession of TV shows as well. If you guys have heard of the Tracy Ullman show, um, he was also in the Twilight Zone, Murder, She Wrote, Mad About You, ER, Friends. There's so many to list, just amazing career. But he also had an amazing career with film as well, being an Independence Day, uh, Multiplicity, Burn, Hollywood Burn, Austin Powers 3. And then he's also had a notable career as a voice actor um, being in Garfield 2. He also has been in Extreme Ghostbusters, the new Batman Adventures, um, just so many great things listed. But the one thing I do want to kind of talk about at the end will be his book that he released, which is Caught With My Pants Down and Other Tales from a Life in Hollywood. And we thank you so much, Jim, for being here on Black Canvas. I really appreciate you being here. Yes, sir. So I'm a huge fan of yours. And I reached out to Jim um, online. My pleasure. Thanks to be on the show. And I'm just so glad that he obliged and said he wanted to be here. So I'm going to go straight into the questions because I really want us to kind of get to know more about him and his illustrious career. So the first question I have for you, Jim, is um, what would you say um, is some of the best advice about the industry you've ever received and why? Uh, probably the best and earliest advice I was ever given was don't take rejection personally. Um, because in, in any, uh, business really, but particularly show business where it's all about looks, uh, and, um, a type that, that, uh, it's nothing to do with what you're doing. It's just how you are. Uh, and you can't take that personally. It just ha doesn't fit what they're looking for. You may be too good looking. You may not be good looking enough. You may be too thin. You may be too fat. It's, uh, you know, those are things that you just can't have control about and you can't second guess. So I would say that was probably the best and earliest advice I've got. And I still try and uh, preach that to myself now and again, because I forget about it. Um, so that would be my, 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 my biggest thing. And the other thing is just to uh, the old Malcolm Gladwell kind of uh, theory that you've got to put 10,000 hours into anything before you can consider yourself um, not an expert even, but uh, proficient at it. I love that you said that, Jim. Um, my actual career full-time, I'm a licensed professional counselor. And so I know about putting so much work and time and energy into this career. And when you think about it, um, with acting, it's very similar because you don't know what you're walking into, but you still have to prepare and be just um, able to be loving, caring, and respectful to others, but also knowing, like, what are you going into this, this profession for? And I know you've been in it for yeah. over 40 years, and that's just, it shows people when we talk about a long-standing career, um, it takes a lot as relates to being an actor and going out to auditions and reading sides and just being prepared. And I think that's amazing. 
Yeah, I think that's uh, it's longevity. You know, I I always wanted to have this to be my my one career writing about well, acting first, and then I added writing a short while afterwards, and um, and I'd be lucky enough to do that. But you know, I think success in show business is survival. Really, I mean, if you that to me was always again. I think I think Rod Steiger might have even said that 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 uh, when asked what success is, it's of survival. I suppose you could say that's true about life too. <laughs> Especially now during COVID, right? It's it's survival of the fittest almost. Like because many actors have had to um, kind of change the the audition process. What are they actually doing to to continue to become relevant or stay relevant? And if their their actual feel, yeah. and it kind of goes into my next question, which is, um, what is your um, mantra as it relates to success? If you can come up with a mantra related to success, what would that be? And how has your life changed since COVID nineteen? Um, my life's changed since COVID nineteen in the sense that I got the opportunity, as a lot of us did, to stop and think and reset and reboot everything. Um, and look backwards, which is why I was able to write this book. Um, I don't normally look backwards. I usually look forwards or straight in front of me. And so that was a big kind of shift for me and not that easy to do at first, but it was really good. I mean, what, what I enjoyed about um, the pandemic, if, if that's a ridiculous thing to say, but the positive side about it, let me put it this way, is that I really felt that I could appreciate things I was missing before uh because we were sort of all we're all on this merry-go-round of life that we travel at such high speed we don't notice what we're passing um and 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 i noticed that when i was sort of basically uh in in lockdown for for that quite a lengthy time i i when i went out for my walks i would notice stuff much more than i ever did before i'd notice um you know i'd notice the, the trees the birds I'd notice everything, you know, uh, that, that that I was not aware of before when I'd go for a walk because I was too busy, you know, just getting from A to B. So I think that's a huge difference. Yes, sir. I think that that it's kind of made all of us kind of sit back and and realize what is the most important things in our lives. And for many people, family. I know for myself, yeah. I started to become more in touch with my family. Um, and I was actually um, a survivor of hurricanes Katrina and Rita as well. So just going through those challenges from a, an, an age when I thought, hey, I can kind of get through this, and it really reshaped me. Um, I learned a lot from that experience. So success for me is just being alive and being in my right mind and making the right choice um, to live in my own truth, but also be respectful of everyone else and, and where they are in their truth as well. As well. And I know COVID has kind of shifted a lot of people, and it's kind of hard to celebrate life since COVID because so many people have lost their, their life or lost part of themselves in this, this pandemic. But I always say that this has given us a chance to refocus and recenter and that we can, we can choose to use that as, yep. as more leverage instead of it being a pitfall. Absolutely. I think a lot of people have. I mean, a lot of people that were stuck in jobs they didn't like realized they could either work from home and enjoy their job a lot more or they could actually do something else with their life because it wasn't the be all and end all. And we all get caught up on this, you know, this kind of hamster wheel uh, that, that kind of, that really, you know, is, is not great. You know, I mean, I, I, it doesn't matter what age you are at some point you've got to just stop. And uh, it's probably easier when you're older because it, you know, there's more behind you than in front of you. But 
I think it's really important to to stop and and take stock and and just breathe. You know, it's it's um, we get caught up so easily in, in the in the the maelstrom of life. Absolutely, I agree with that one hundred percent. Now, I have another question for you, Jim. Um, what would you say is your strength as an actor? And do you have any specific inspiration growing up in your career, or any like actor that you looked up to? Yeah, I mean, my my probably my greatest strength um, uh, throughout my career has also been my greatest weakness. Um, it's it's that um, that I'm very versatile, and they told me at drama school you can't sell versatility, and I've spent forty four years attempting to prove them wrong with some success and some not success. I mean, the, the business loves to pigeonhole you uh, as an actor or a writer. They, they love to say he does that. That's what he does. And in some sense, by being in America most of my career, I got pigeonholed as being British, which, which helped. But, you know, that's a small niche market. Um, so it's it sort of, it's, it's a plus and a minus, that the versatility thing. Within that kind of thing, I, I think I'm pretty versatile. Uh, and it's why I've been a character actor my whole life. Oddly, now I'm sort of playing more myself, um, which may be because I, I'm more comfortable with myself than I've ever have been. And that that kind of um, that took me a while to to do. I used to hide behind characters. I love doing that. I love playing different people. And now I'm actually just as comfortable, if not more so, playing something very close to myself or being myself, which is which is nice. Which is a um, a good place to get to, I think, in many ways. I agree. And it kind of goes into my next question, which goes into um, how do you rehearse for a scene? Let's say if there's another actor that you need to interact with for a scene and they're not available, how do you get into the mindset to actually rehearse? Well, it's quite difficult. You can't really rehearse. You can run lines. I mean, I'm actually doing it today. I'm getting on a plane to go fly to New York to, to do an episode of The Blacklist. And and I'm, I've got quite a few scenes and I'm trying to learn the lines. And luckily, my infinitely better half is, a, is an actress. And she, so we can run lines together. And, and then she's actually doing something and I've got to run lines with her. So that helps being able to run lines. Uh, but you can't actually rehearse because until you have the actor there themselves, because, um, and the director blocks the scene. So you can't really do that. But you can actually just try and get as comfortable with the lines so you can say them forwards, backwards, sideways, so that when you get to do it, you're not thrown by the situation of cameras and crews and lights and, you know, all that stuff. Okay. I mean, that's a great answer to that. Um, what about struggling with anxiety? Do you ever struggle or have you struggled with performance anxiety before a scene? And if so, how do you find that moment to become centered and grounded before shooting? Yeah, I mean... Uh, I think there's always some nervousness. I mean, any, any actor will say that that's actually a positive thing. Uh, it's, it's when you're younger that adrenaline is, is is a drug. You know, it's great. It's it's very exciting. As you get older, it's less so. And and that's I found quite alarming when I did a play for the first time about twelve years ago or so, maybe more. I, I hadn't done one in a long time, and I found myself being more terrified before going on stage than I ever was when I was younger. And I didn't like it, whereas before it was kind of like, oh, this is exciting. And, and so it was explained to me that, that it's the fight or flight uh, issue, that when you're young, you're, you, you, know, you tend to fight. Uh, and when you're older, your tendency is, I 
think I'd better take flight here because it's safer. So, so that, that there's definitely, and I mean, great actors, Laurence Olivier, one of the greatest actors of all time, had terrible stage fright and anxiety in his middle years or later years. So it's not, it's not uh, uncommon. Um, and I think anyone who's public speaking or not used to it, and every job you start, I mean, I talk to so many actors and they're so experienced and they go, I- I'm, I'm nervous on day one. You get more comfortable as you go in. And if you're in a long running play, you get to the point where you can do it in your sleep and you're so comfortable, it's, it's almost not good. Um, but, but, but there are tricks too. There are tricks that you can use. I mean, uh, anyone who's done any public speaking or, or been on stage or whatever is knows the trick of, uh, imagine that the audience is naked and then they become less threatening, uh, or more scary, depending on what the audience is. <laughs> um, so, so those sort of tricks like that <laughs> on camera, I'm less, less nervous. Um, I don't, yeah, it's just, for me, it's just about remembering the lines. That's my only major anxiety on camera. Um, it's it's like, oh, God, I've I got to, you know, remember the lines. Uh, and that does get harder as you get older. You know, I'm in my mid-60s, and, and learning lines takes longer than it used to when I was in my 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 20s. So So that kind of becomes, like, more work. Yes, sir. And I think that just proves... Um, the diligence it takes to continue in a career, especially like you said, if you're doing an actual play or if you're doing a Broadway production, a lot of times each night, you're not sure who's going to be in the audience. And you sometimes have to find one section. I know for myself, when I speak publicly, I like to find one section of the room that I'm the most comfortable. And then I sometimes will walk. I love to pace. So when I'm walking around a room, I'll use my hands as I'm talking and it, that helps to center me. And then once I feel really comfortable I can then go back to the podium or to a specific area and I don't feel as nervous, but I know everyone has whatever works for them, but I think that's great that you have a yeah. formula that you've been able to implement over the last few years and it, it works for you. And I think that that just shows the consummate professional that you are and you feel that you can continue to become like a chameleon almost and just do what works for you in each setting based on the circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. I mean, it doesn't, it gets, Easier to a point, but you know, like when you go into a show that where you don't know the people, uh, it, it's always hard. You're the, you're the new kid on the block, and and like I mean, I'm this this coming week, I'm going into the blacklist, and and I don't know anyone there. Uh, I got I think all my scenes are with James Spader, who I, I think is a terrific actor. But you're you're still they've been doing that show; they're in their ninth season or whatever. So it's a well old machine. Everyone's very comfortable; they're familiar with each other. So you're always the new kid on the block, and there's always a sense of oh, I've got to, I, I can't let the side down here. But but you know, I, as again, I think as you get older, you do you do kind of um, you you put a little less pressure on yourself. Um, but still, you you still do, and there's still on day one, there's always the butterflies. And then, and then I usually relax into it after a day or so, and, and then it's fine. But um, it's, it's definitely a challenge each time. But it keeps you on your toes. You know, you, I think if you stay in your comfort zone all the time, you, 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 get, um, you get sort of mentally lazy uh, the, the, uh, and creatively lazy. And I think that it's not a terrible thing to occasionally come out of your comfort zone and, and, and sort of put yourself under that, that, that situation or all that pressure um, as long as it's not harmful to your health right <laughs> you're up all night you're like wait 
Why did I put all this on me at this time? And I think that goes back to like compassion fatigue. And a lot of times people can struggle with that over the years if you don't know how to find time like self-preservation for yourself. Yeah. And that can definitely lead to people burning out really quickly. And you'll start to see um, with a lot of actors, actresses, singers, songwriters, um, that they don't last as long in their career for different purposes. But from what I have heard from people I've interviewed, yeah. especially a lot of singers, um, they'll say it's about changing things up, but also by having a, a schedule that works where you can be flexible and you're not as rigid in your thinking um, because then you lose a lot of creative flow and, and ability in, in that mindset as well. You could. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true. I mean, I think I, I like routine. I like a, a routine because it grounds me. And then once I've got that routine, I think then you can you can fly. It's sort of like people saying, you know, the best innovators are the people that understand the, the traditional techniques and then they can break the rules and do something new. So I think a grounding of, of sort of uh, routine is good and, and habit for me. Anyway, I find it helps. Um, I don't like kind of working from a place of chaos. I like some sort of grounding of organized thought and organized routine of, of life and behavior. And then once I've done that, I feel comfortable. It's like improvisation. I've done a lot of improvised movies with Christopher Guest, you know, Best in Show, Mighty Wind, Mascots, all those things. And then because of that, when I go and do a regular scripted film or TV show, if it's a comedy, they'll often say, okay, we've got the scripted version now, kind of have fun and improvise around the scene. And, and that's, that, I love doing that. I mean, I, that I was able to do that in, in a number of films, but one I remember in particular was Think Like a Man too, where the director, Tim Story, said to, to Kevin Hart and myself, you know, just ha- go for as long as it, you don't keep it, uh, as long as it's not uh, obscene, keep it clean-ish, um, then, you know, just, just have fun with the scene. Uh, and if you are with another actor who's a good improviser, it's really fun and you get very kind of uh, comfortable doing that and you strike up a chemistry that might not exist if you were just doing the scripted lines. Uh, and, and that happens, you know, it happened with me and Fred Willard in Best in Show. Um, it happened with me and Jackie Weaver in, in Five Year Engagement. And it definitely happened with Kevin Hart on, on Think Like a Man too, because, you know, he knows how to send the ball back over the net and I know how to return it. And so it's just this lovely kind of uh, creative tennis. I love that. It's, I love that you said a creative tennis. That's a great terminology to use for it. But it kind of goes back to you, the comfort level that you do have even with the other actors sometimes. Because like you said, you can be giving someone a volley and they don't catch, hit it or don't understand where you're going with it. And so I think that even before scenes in the midst of a scene and after the scene, it's just so great to have that environment where you feel comfortable with the individual, but also their style of acting, you know, just being aware of that can play a huge role. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird performance chemistry because both with Fred Willard, who I didn't know before, and Kevin, who I, I'd actually been in a film with, but we never had any scenes together. Uh, I'd been in another film with him, but but I didn't really know him. And and um, by that stage, he was a pretty big star. So, he, you know, there was a, a lot of sort of entourage around. So, I mean, I used to hang out off off camera, but but I think on our first day, once we were in front of the camera, that's where the chemistry and the relationship was built, uh, I mean, off camera, I, I got to be honest, I've never felt so white in my life. I didn't understand. I, I didn't understand half the banter that he was, <laughs> you know, exchanging with his friends and, and the director. I, I, I sat there going, I, I'm very old and I'm very white because I don't understand what they're talking about. 
they were very sweet. They were so nice and 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 accommodating. But uh, but it was you know so so on that level, it was really our, our kind of chemistry and our comfort comfort level came in the moment of performance. And I guess that's the same with sports. You can have two players who don't actually get along even off the field, or they're not friends, or they don't know each other, and then suddenly on on the field they can have this incredible kind of uh, symbiosis, the where where they can kind of it just clicks, you know, as performers, as sports players. Um, I know that's happened uh, having played soccer for 55 years of my life. I know that happens. And some of the players that you play best with are people you're, you're not even close to or perhaps don't even like off, you know, off the pitch, or off the playing field. So, and I, and I know that happens in sports, which is really interesting to me that that's, that's sort of a, a creative symbiotic relationship. But I love that you said that because it goes back to the reason a lot of times with sporting, it's about the actual end goal. And I think even with with acting, like you have to remember, like this is a a unit. We all are here together and there are so many people that are going to be affected based on how it's received by the audience, but also how we convey the message. Because, you know, word of mouth plays a huge role, especially in your career, in your field. You know, people will sometimes say, hey, Jim is a great person to work with. I've, I've seen his his effort. I've also been able to see how he is outside of the scenes. And I think that is something that shows in your career that you've been able to do such a great job for 40 years because of who you are as a person, more than just who you are as an actor. So I, I well, I get, yeah, yeah I think there's no, no, I mean, I think that's true. I think people do want to work with people that they, they know that are not going to be um, badly behaved or unpleasant. Um, that's, that's definitely true. So, so that, that's a big part of it. Um, yeah, I would say that's a, that's, that's, that's a pretty important part too. Yes, sir. So I have two more questions for you and then I'm going to let you, if you can plug um, your book, because I think it'd be really good for us to kind of know where we can find you and where they can find a book as well. So this, the first question I have is if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would you say to younger Jim? Um, don't, don't doubt yourself. Don't doubt yourself. Commit and be commit with confidence, because even if you're wrong, um, uh, it, 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 it's it's uh, it's impressive. People, you you smell confidence right away when I see, uh, you know, a 20 year old performer or sports player or whatever with the confidence of a veteran. Um, it's really impressive to me. And and some people are born with it. Some people acquire it. Uh, and so it's it's just I, I would say to my younger self. Um, I took risks definitely in my career and that was good, but I, but I think it took me a while to feel fully confident and uh, I wish I'd been born with that. So yeah, just, just, just believe in yourself, believe in it. I love that. I think that's sage advice for anyone of any age. Oh, absolutely. Any profession, any walk of life uh, outside of work. It's, it's uh, very important. Absolutely. And my last question is, um, how can our listeners find you online and what is next for you? Well, um, my website is jimpiddock.com. That's P-I-D-D-O-C-K.com. I'm at real Jim Piddock on Twitter, as opposed to the fake one. I am at Jim Piddock on Instagram and I'm on Facebook too. And if you don't look like a serial killer, you'll probably become a Facebook friend. Um, so those are the places you can find me online uh what's next i've i've just finished a film called the queen mary which i play the captain of the ship in the 1930s uh which is a supernatural thriller that's coming out either later this year or early next year 
And then, as I mentioned, I'm about to just do an episode of The Blacklist. And then I'm supposed to do a film this summer that I wrote and will also appear briefly in with Jeremy Irons. Um, that's called Frankel. Um, it's about a racehorse, a famous racehorse in, in the United Kingdom. So that's, uh, yes, that's my work situation. Awesome. And do you mind sharing about your book so everyone knows where they can pick it up? And yeah, it? it's called Caught With My Pants Down and Other Tales from a Life in Hollywood. It's, uh, I think, a book for everyone. Uh, what's been really heartening, it's only been out just uh, just over a week, a little over a week, is that it's, um, it's a bestseller in a number of categories already, which is fantastic on Amazon. But what is really thrilling to me, because I set out to write a book that wasn't just for people in show business or people interested in show business, I wanted to write a book that appealed to everybody. It isn't just the Jim Piddock story, and who's interested in that? I'm not. Uh, it's about my interactions with people, the lessons I've learned and what I've done. And mostly, it's uh, a lot of anecdotes that are either amusing or impactful or have some kind of value. Uh, there's not a chapter without some anecdote or important story uh, or amusing story, entertaining story. Uh, and, and then my sort of philosophical conclusions at the end of the book. So that is available on Amazon and or, or any online bookstore. Um, and I will just add the one thing is that all my proceeds from the book are going to three different charities. Um, one is in the United Kingdom to help underprivileged kids in South London who were likely to get into gangs or get into wrong kind of pathway in life it gives them opportunities to express themselves through sports namely soccer and other physical activities and it's been incredible uh, uh, at helping uh, you know um, underprivileged kids there and the same in the united states uh, british academy of film and television arts has a access for all program which is exactly the same premise that the but, but through creative methods of uh, film tv performance it helps uh, kids who would never normally have that kind of opportunity to express themselves creatively and then possibly find a pathway into the industry, the showbiz industry. So, And then the third, uh, I was going to keep a little portion of the profits for myself, but I, watching the news over the last month has been so kind of upsetting and so profoundly kind of worrying to me that I decided that my portion is going to go to Ukrainian refugees who deserve it a lot more than I do at this point in my life. Uh, so all the money from the book is going to three charities. I think they're all uh, very, very worthwhile. And um, I would ask you, if nothing else, to buy the book, to be entertained, to maybe learn something about uh, a life well lived. Uh, and and your money will be going to good causes. And if you do, please rate and review it on Amazon because that just keeps the snowball going and it can raise more money. Absolutely. And I will definitely be buying a copy myself because I'm all about supporting great causes. And I think that you are doing such an amazing work. And I'm just very honored that you gave your time and energy to be here on this show. I really appreciate it so much. Well, thank you very much, Cheryl. I really appreciate it. And um, uh, we'll, we'll talk again sometime. Absolutely. And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. All right, Jim, I hope you have a great rest of your day and you continue to do great work around the world. I think you are an amazing human being and I'm just very grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. So bye-bye now. Bye-bye.
I'm not afraid.